Hi, welcome to Hold the Light, a show for lifelong learners who are curious about the ways we can deepen our connection to our spiritual and personal growth. I'm Lori Gunning Grossman. Today on the show, I have Alejandra Brady. Alejandra is a feng shui expert, interior designer, biophilic designer, author, and a certified crystal healer. I first met Alejandra when I interviewed her on another podcast I used to host called Being Home with Hunker. We immediately connected, and I knew that once I launched this podcast, Hold the Light, I wanted to talk with her again. However, this time, I wanted to give more focus to the spiritual aspects of Alejandra's work and life. As you hear in this conversation, Alejandra had her spiritual awakening at age 50, and it has had a huge impact on her career, which I find to be so inspiring. As she says, being spiritual doesn't mean you can't be a successful business person. They can go hand in hand. So in our chat, we talk about feng shui. As Alejandra describes, feng shui is a practice to work with the energy that is already all around you. She shares how feng shui allows us to have greater connection with ourselves and how it can help us with our purpose and our path. Alejandra also has some practical feng shui tips that we can all try, and you will definitely want to hear what she has to say about front doors and the impact of clutter. Also, if you've been wanting to create a meditation space or altar, she has insightful ways to amplify that area, including helpful crystals to use. You will get so much out of this conversation, whether you're already familiar with feng shui or just starting to work with it. And so here's my chat with the always lovely and light-filled Alejandra Brady. get started. My dear Alejandra, my intention for our conversation today is to talk about feng shui and how it can help people feel elevated, energized, and supported, and also to celebrate the spiritual aspects of feng shui. This is what I'm really excited about, the spirituality of it all. So welcome. Thank you. Yes. Let's get started. Okay, so I know from talking to you already that your spiritual life has great meaning to you. And I love this. So to start, I would love to hear from you what your connection is to something greater, whether it's the universe, Gaia, divine, whatever that means to you. And how do you cultivate and honor your spiritual life on a daily basis? All right, we're going there. We're going there quickly. <laughs> so, what I will first say for people that have, you know, known me for a long time and may be listening to this now is I was raised Catholic. I was never not in a Catholic uniform. From kindergarten through the end of college, I was in Catholic school. So, at some level, I still identify with that, but I am not a practicing Catholic. When I had my spiritual awakening at the age of 50, I kind of veered more into a different type of relationship. And I actually find it's so much more, oh, what's the word I want? Um, rewarding and fulfilling than I ever felt sitting in a church pew. And that is for me personal. You know, everybody's different. We actually had a bridal shower for my soon-to-be daughter-in-law here mm -hmm. a week ago. And my sister, who converted as well, and she is now Jewish, is an incredible person in her faith now. And I mean, she is raising the children that way and they go to camps and they do all the things. And to her, religion is super important, religion with a capital R. To me, it's more spirituality. And I think 
anybody and everybody's way is right. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way. It's whatever resonates with you. What resonates with me is to have my quiet time every single morning to meditate. That's super important to me. I need that time. And my day is just not the same if I don't get to do that, which doesn't mean I do it every day. I mean, some days you can't. Um, but then from meditation, I go straight into a short prayer and then I do a short prayer at night. And then everything I do throughout the day, I just try and make it super intentional and with the highest and greatest good for whoever I'm either working with or seeing or having a conversation with. I always want whatever I'm doing to channel the highest and greatest good in me for the highest and greatest good in that person. You know, I, I don't want to be out there speaking negatively or doing things that might affect people negatively. And to me, I think that's another connection. And then as far as Mama Gaia, I got to go to Machu Picchu last year. So anytime I get to do, you know, hands-on retreats with the earth, I mean, we lived in Sedona, you know, obviously being in nature and, and feeling and touching and all that stuff, um, animals and plants is a really big way that I connect with the universe and with Mama Gaia and with God, whatever that may look like, you know, to everybody uh, that's super, super important to me. I have plants all over my house. They make me feel closer in that way. You know, just just different things, crystals, all that stuff. Oh, I love it so much. I love that you do meditation. You mentioned silence, you know, earth, animals, plants. It's all so connected and so beautiful. And the other thing I love that you said, Alejandra, is that you had your spiritual awakening at the age of 50. Let's talk about this for a second, because this is what I love, is that this can happen to us at any age. You know, as long as we are open and willing, we can have spiritual awakenings at any age, like a cracking open. So when you were 50, and I know that you've talked about this before, but maybe just a short story about what that looked like and felt like for you? Well, I was literally cracked open. I had to have a very unexpected cervical fusion. So they opened up my throat and put a plate in with six screws and all the other trimmings that come with having a cervical fusion. It was three years after having a lower lumbar fusion and a full hysterectomy. So I had just barely gotten to a point where I felt recovered when this happened you know, and this is what it took for me to be still. Um, I, because even from the other surgeries, I'd pop right back up to whatever I was doing and just, you know, trudge along. And things had been happening for many, many years, but I just never connected the dots. When you are forced to sit still for six to eight weeks in a neck brace, you know, you're not driving, you can't read, you certainly can't work. I, I kind of shut down my design business at that point in time. And I had the opportunity to be still. And that's kind of when everything happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to study feng shui. And that's when I reached out to who became my teacher, my beautiful Karen Rock Carter. Uh, she's my main teacher. And that's when I got the little inkling to perhaps try meditation. And then through meditation came the messages to write the book, you know? And it just kind of, rolled on from there. And the more that I dived into different modalities and different things and sought out teachers, the more 
information came to me, the more answers came to me. And the entire purpose for my life has completely pivoted. I'm, I'll be 56 next month. So it's it hasn't been that long, but yet it seems like it's always been like this, you know, because yeah. it's just so different than it used to be. Okay. I love this so much. So what I'm hearing is your spiritual life is deeply connected to your career and your success in your career. Absolutely. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I'm being guided. I think the clients that I, I don't even think, I know the people that reach out to me, the clients that reach out to me, they're aligned, you know, but I've also learned boundaries. And I think boundaries are super important for anyone who is spiritual because we naturally want to give and give and give and give. And there are people out there who will take and take and take if you don't set some boundaries. You know, I find that even on Instagram, I have a really great following, but I get people who send me floor plans and they're like, just do this for me. And I'm like, well, no, you can set up a consultation. They don't want to pay for it. They want it all for free. And so you've had, you have to establish boundaries in order to do what you need to do spiritually, but also have the energy to feel good about what you're doing spiritually. Otherwise, you're going to get very depleted very quickly and it's not going to work for you. Yeah. And so I believe strongly now I am attracting by what I put out there, the right clientele for me, the right people who want the consultations, the right people for the deck, the right people for the book, um, even the right podcasts. You know, I, I know deep in my heart, I can tell when I'm asked who I'm going to say yes to and who I'm not, who just wants an email list. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you can start to tell those things. And I think that's important because being spiritual doesn't mean that you cannot be a successful business person. They can go hand in hand. A lot of people don't feel that way about spirituality, but I do. Right on. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can have nice shoes and be spiritual. You know? <laughs> of course. Of course. Okay. Let's get into some feng shui then. Since you are a feng shui consultant, here's what I want to know. How does feng shui allow us all to have greater connection and communion with ourselves and help us with our purpose and our path? Wow. Okay. Well, I feel... Feng Shui can do all that for you because let's just think about my week. So in the past week, I have gone to a breathwork class. I did sound bowl healing, like a meditation class. I do yoga. I do Pilates. I went to the doctor today for my annual checkup. You do all these things for yourself, you know, because you're trying to improve and you're doing all that. You open the door, you walk into your space and it's a cluster, you know, and I'm not going to say that those things don't help because they're always beneficial but it's like salmon swimming upstream. If you come in and your home is not a haven and it does not support you energetically, then you're coming in from the outside world with no place to restore and renew. And you're continuing to fight whatever the energy is inside your home. I mean, it's hard enough out there in the real world, right? You want to walk into the door and be able to just take a big sigh of relief and put all those things that you're doing for yourself, have them make the most possible advantage that they can. I don't know, that came out really backwards, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, have them be as beneficial to you as they possibly can, because you also come home to a supported environment. You don't come home to an environment that is depleting your energy instead of restoring mm -hmm. your energy. Love that. You know, there really is a thing, I think, when people come into a home, I'll say if someone comes into my home and they say that it feels nice, like the energy feels nice, that just feels like the highest compliment to me. Yeah, even more so than like, I love your artwork or I love the way you've designed it. The feeling 
is uh, is is what so many people are responding to, which I love. So here's a question then. When we have clutter in our home, what is that doing to us energetically? So clutter blocks you energetically. Clutter creates obstacles. It's funny that you asked me this question a few weeks ago. I had a client who has a less than orderly home, you know, but that's why, hey, she called me and we're working on it. And I was trying to explain this to her and how clutter just blocks opportunities and blocks the energy from coming in the door. And I could tell that she wasn't receiving it. And suddenly, as I love, I get my little flashes of light and my little inspiration. I'm like, okay, think of this. You're in high school. You're making out with your boyfriend. You guys are trying to get to the next base and your little sister comes in, you know, and stops you. And then she leaves. And then you add it again and she stops you. Like you're trying to get to a certain point and you can't get there because you're being blocked at every turn because somebody keeps in and interrupting your progress, you know? Mm -hmm. And she got that. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, that's what all of this is doing to your home, you know? And your home having all this clutter around is creating, unfortunately, obstacles. And it could be to any of the nine areas that, you know, the the gua and feng shui pertains to. It could be career. It could be relationships. In her case, it was she was having some issues with career. She was feeling very stagnant. So, you know, we worked in that area. It could be with family. It could be with health, obviously with wealth. So many people come to me about finances. So, Having clutter anywhere in your home will create obstacles and certainly having clutter in the areas that pertain to those guas will adversely affect, you know, whatever you're trying to have happen in your life. Yes. And it's something that I think about a lot also when, say, there's a home with a family and there are children in areas of fame, of wealth, of the places where you would like to have a little more control over. What do we do? Let's give a real life example. Sure. There's a lot of situations where that is the case, where a child's bedroom falls either into wealth, which is the back left-hand corner of your home, or fame and rep, which is right next to that. And fame and reputation, wealth is pretty self-explanatory, but fame and reputation is how the world sees you. Not necessarily... I want to be famous unless, you know, that's what you want. And then that could be your intention. But it's basically how the outside world views you and certainly how you're viewed in business or anything that you put yourself out there for. So what I tell people is this, kids need their space. I have come to understand that when kids have 10,000 million stuffed animals on their bed, they are kind of creating their own little cave, their own little safe space, their own little haven. And that is the way that they are doing it. So what I would say is focus less on that whole section of your home and then maybe take a different area of your home. So take the wealth area and you can place the Bagua over that room. And so then you can work on the fame and reputation area of the wealth corner Mm. or of career or of whatever, you know, you may be needing to. So that's the beauty of working with the Bagua map is that you can overlay it over your entire space. You can overlay it over each room, standing at the door to the room looking in, you would overlay it with career right at your feet, or you can overlay it on a nightstand or your desk. So if you're missing, you know, a lot of people, sometimes I get called and homes are missing an area. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, then we go room by room and we overlay the Bagua over each room. I actually had that case in my house in Sedona because every, it was built to take advantage of all the different mountain views. 
it was by no means a square or a rectangle. You know, it had all these funky shapes. So I just overlaid the bagua in each room and worked within the room and I then did it, it on my desk. And I do it on my desk in my house here and my husband's desk as well, even though the whole house is done within it. So you can keep working and make it as, but you can do it to your bed. You could actually feng shui your bed, you know, under the mattress. Like you can put different things under the mattress for wealth and fame and all the different things. So you can work with it that way too. Ooh, so like put photos under there or put things under there? I would not put photos um, because again, those are eyes and in the type of feng shui. And by the way, let me just say this for everyone listening. I practice BTB feng shui. There are different schools of feng shui and people, I get a lot of DMs with people confused about things. I would say find a practitioner that you resonate with, see what kind of feng shui they practice, and then find other practitioners along those lines too. So, you know, you can get information from different people, but try and stick to one school of feng shui. Otherwise you'll end up super confused. So just side note, you can put like under your mattress so that you're not feeling it. You can have an amethyst in the wealth corner, even if it's just a little stone, you know, or some gold coins, something to symbolize wealth. Um, yeah, you don't want photos because photos in a bedroom, whether you can see them or not, are eyes on you. So you really only want photos of you and your partner. And if you don't have a partner, but you want to call in one, you want pictures of you, but not solitary you, like, or at least happy on vacation, something. But I try and stay away from single subjects if you're trying to call in a partner in your bedroom. And if you have a partner, just, just the two of you. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. I love it. Okay. Then one other question I have thinking about the the Bagua and everything. Is there one thing you would say to somebody, hey, if you just do this one thing in the world of feng shui to your home, do this? Front door. Okay. Tell me more. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down front door. You will hear me and every other feng shui practitioner worth their salt talk about the importance of the front door. So the front door is a mouth of chi. It's where the energy comes into your home. So think about sewing your mouth shut. How are nutrients going to get inside your body? They're not, you know? And if your mouth is in bad shape and you can't take in nutrition, how are nutrients going to get into your body? So the front door is the mouth of chi for your entire home. It's its mouth. So you want to make sure that it is always in good working order. I have had so many people reach out to me and when they tell me that they are stuck in their career, especially because usually the front door will line up with the career. The first thing I'll go do is check the hardware. Is it working? Is it sticky? You know, is it literally sticking to where I have to push or shove or mess with it with mess with the key to open and close the front door? So check your hardware, make sure it's in good working condition, make sure it's in good shape. If not, replace it. It's worth it in the end. The door, same thing. You want the door um, to be clean. And today we're recording on a full moon, but I have a ritual that I like to do every new moon. So, and it just keeps me going at a monthly pace. So I know that even if I am very, very busy, at least once a month, I touch base with my front door. I normally do it more often, but uh, I wipe it down inside and out with a few drops of basil oil and a few drops of rosemary. Basil for prosperity, rosemary for protection. And I give it a good wiping, wipe down the hardware, wipe down all of it. And then I will sweep around it and I will make sure my lights are working and that they're in good shape. I will make sure my doormat's in good shape. I like to change that at least once a year. I'm now mm. facing south in this new house, so I'm kind of seeing if it's wearing out a little faster with the really strong Florida heat, might have to change it twice a year. 
you know? So just keep an eye on all those things. I have beautiful flower pots out front to attract energy in. You know, it's all about attracting the energy. You don't want your front yard overgrown to where the energy cannot find you. You know, you know how you walk by those houses and everything's just so overgrown, you can't see the front door. Well, that means energy can't either. And it won't find it. And I, I will tell you, our Sedona house, we got for a lot less than we should have. And the reason for that was they had let it overgrow completely. You couldn't see the front door from the road. So we got in there and just, you know, we we hired an arborist and we just got in there and cleared it as much as possible and everything shifted. It was Ooh. amazing how it shifted once we cleared that path to the front door. You know, you don't want weeds outside. Those choke growth and opportunity. You don't want anything behind the front door. Again, you're blocking opportunities. So lots of different things you can do in that area. And I think if you don't do that, all the work that you might do on the inside won't be as beneficial because you're not inviting the energy in. Step one, get the energy to your door. You mm. know? I love it. I love it. Love it. And simple enough too. It is. And it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, I mean, at the most, a new doormat and some flowers. Yeah. You know? Okay. Let's get back a little bit to the whole spirituality thing in feng shui. So bringing it to meditation and silence and stillness. If someone is wanting to create, say, a meditation space or a meditation altar, what are some of your favorite things that you would recommend to someone to help amplify that space for them? So I've done quite a few. Some of my clients, I call mine my serenity sanctuary. I actually am fortunate enough to have a full room for meditation here at my house. Mm. And uh, thank you, Empty Nester. <laughs> yeah. I have others call it their Zen Den. So I think that's a really cute name too. But it doesn't have to be an entire room. It can just be a corner. Step one, an area where you can be quiet. The middle of your family room or a corner of your family room is probably not going to be the right space for a meditation room. Uh, what we did at our previous houses, we had a guest room that was rarely used, you know, and one day it was actually my husband's idea. I have to give him credit for that. I was, you know, floating around trying to find little corners to meditate here and there. He's like, why don't you just undo that room and create a meditation room? And I'm like, that is brilliant. <laughs> you know, uh, He's like, for what? The three, four times we have a guest. I mean, almost everybody stays at a hotel now. Our son has his own room still. So what I put in mind that I encourage everyone to put in, first and foremost, a place to practice, a mat, have something to sit on, just to have a mat to kind of ground you into the space. I think that's really important. Uh, if you want an altar, you can certainly create one and it can be as small as a tray or it can be a console, the top of a console table. It can be whatever you have room for. I was listening to another podcast and the host was talking about her first altar was on a tray that she could move to the different spaces. If she couldn't meditate in one spot, she could take it to another. I'm like, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. If you have the luxury of having an entire room or, or a larger space, I love burning incense when I meditate. I love having Palo Santo. I must have done something with fire in another lifetime because I just can't get enough of anything I can burn. So <laughs> candles, incense, Palo Santo, all those things work really well for me and kind of help me get into like, okay, the incense is on. It's time to sit. It's time to be quiet. It kind of brings you down into there. 
I love having music. I mean, I'll put YouTube on and just kind of have Vivaldi playing. You know, they have the four seasons of Vivaldi. It's like three hours long. It's perfect. So any kind of music that you can have around you, the dogs, animals will love it too. Uh, if you want bells or crystals, you know, all the things. I mean, that's when you can really just have fun with what that means to you. And it might be different for everybody. I have all my working crystals. So I have crystals that are specimens that are throughout my house that are larger pieces. And then I have the ones that I sit and hold in the palm of my hand when I am going to meditate. So I have my little bowl with all my crystals that I can pull from. Love it. Do you have one particular stone you like to hold? I do different things with different crystals. So I sleep with a crystal under my pillow every night. I have this beautiful, I, I did get it in Sedona. I have this beautiful combination of rose quartz and amethyst somehow that they had at a crystal store there. I sleep with that under my pillow. I think if I am working on career and trying to manifest more career opportunities, I love pyrite. I love that. And I use that a lot. And um, what's the other green one? Is it malachite? It's green with kind of like some stripes going through it. I believe malachite's the right word. That's another great one for when you're trying to um, manifest abundance, financial abundance, you know, not, not anything else, but financial. Amethyst is always great. You know, there's so many things for that. They call it the stone of sobriety. If somebody needs to work on that, that's a great one. It helps you sleep. Um, you can use it for wealth, calling in wealth as well. Rose quartz, if I'm feeling a little depleted, you know, hosting all last weekend, even though it was all for such a happy occasion, by Sunday after hosting for four days, I was depleted. So a little rose quartz goes a long way for some self-care. You know? And then when I just need to clear, like just really get in there and clear. And after I do one-on-one -on -one consultations, because you know I'm immersed in a person's home and I am listening to them and I am taking on their feelings and how they feel about their space and their life. Clear quartz is a great one to just kind of remove whatever needs to be removed. Love it. So those are I some have, of the favorite ones I work with. I have all sorts of them, you know, but those are some of my faves. So good. I was about to say I have one of the clear quartz on our dining room table, which is kind of in the middle middle of our home. Another great place for the clear quartz would be by the front door. Because Ooh. then if anybody comes in with less than positive energy, the clear quartz will absorb it and it won't come into the rest of your space. Mm, I love that. Oh, this is so good. Okay. Another question I have. So I think about light a lot, and it's one of the reasons why I call this podcast Hold the Light and Lightness. When we want to connect to a feeling of light or lightness in our home, what are some feng shui ideas you suggest around that? Declutter. Declutter. I would say that's number one, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because if there's less, you feel lighter. There's no way around that. You just So whenever I am feeling stagnant or I want to bring in more light and more energy, I will do a couple of things. There's almost always one or two things I can let go of in my closet, you know? And as I was taught, what is closest to me affects me the most. So if I let go of something personal, an article of clothing or something like that, I instantly feel lighter. So that's a big one. That's an easy and a big one for me. If the house as a whole just has some heaviness, uh, I did this last Sunday too when everybody left. And not because there was heaviness, but because... When other people come into your home, they bring their energy at whatever level that may be. So to help the house feel light and get back into a state of neutral, I did a salt burn. And I teach people how to do the salt burns. It's easy. There's a whole bunch of steps, but not a lot. There's not that many, but it's on my Instagram. So it's very easy for people to see because there's I've done quite a few videos 
uh, and reels on how to do a salt burn. You just need a few ingredients. And it definitely lightens the energy in the house. It's like smudging and smoke cleansing on steroids. So if I don't feel like walking around the entire house to smoke cleanse, I just do a salt burn right in the middle and boom, shifts the energy. So that's another one I do. I love this. Or uh, moving 27 things around your home that shifts the energy and lightens the energy and anything that's stagnant. Vacuuming. Oh my goodness. Honestly, vacuuming, turning on a light in a dark corner. All those things will help to just really lighten the energy in a space. And they're easy. They're inexpensive. They're very doable. You know, it's not something that feels overbearing to a person that they just can't handle. They're all very, very simple things. Nothing takes more than 10 minutes. I love this. And it's not saying, hey, you need to go buy these big, huge crystals. Just getting out your vacuum cleaner or doing your salt burn, which, by the way, I'm going to go and look on your Instagram to to get this recipe, how to, to do that. I love that. These are all so doable and easy. And your answer to declutter is like, I think it's the answer for all of us to hear. It's so good. Nobody wants to hear it because it takes a little bit of effort, but um, it's necessary, you know, and you can have somebody come help you. I am helping a client right now, but I'm like, you've got to be here with me because if I do it all for you, it's not going to mean as much as if you are invested and you make the decision to let something go. Right. That's where the power lies when you make the decision to release, you know, so you can get help by all means. There's so many people who do beautiful organization and all that, but you need to be a part of it yourself to really feel all the benefits from it. You have so many good ideas. I love all of this. It's so good. Okay. I just have one more question for you. So as we're wrapping up, I guess what I'd love to hear is one thing that you hope people can embrace about feng shui. If someone has never heard of feng shui and they've come to this conversation for the first time and they're leaving, what is something that you love about feng shui that you hope people understand and embrace about it? So I'd say two things, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, I feel a lot of people don't understand what feng shui is. So I start off almost any workshop that I do, any interview that I'm doing, by explaining what it is not. I think it's super important for people to understand what it is not because there's so many beliefs that we were all raised with that maybe hinder people from diving into this who maybe otherwise would be curious. But then a lot of times people say, oh, it's witchcraft. No, it's not. It is not witchcraft. It is not religion. It is not anti-religion. It is not a belief system. It is none of those things. It is merely a practice to work with the energy that is already all around you. You know, why not work with it instead of work against it? You don't have to believe or not believe anything. All you have to want to do is to want to align yourself. And, you know, whatever you do in your home affects your entire family, right? So I also have a lot of times women coming to me saying, well, I want to do it, but my husband doesn't believe. It's okay. If you do the work in your home, Your husband's going to feel the change. Your children are going to feel the change. The animals are going to feel the change. And it's going to positively affect everyone. And I firmly believe that. So number two would be that it has completely changed my life. And I I know this by doing it. I was my own guinea pig. I did my entire house before I ever reached for the phone and called Karen Rock Carter and said, will you please take me as a student? She came and did a consultation on my house. And in 10 minutes, she said, you're going to be doing this. I said, no, I'm not. Just tell me what to do. And here I am 
you know, teaching it. I mean, I've taught for the London School of Feng Shui to their first year students. I mean, just the opportunities that have presented themselves by being curious, just be curious about it. You know, be curious, see what resonates with you. If not all of it resonates, do what does. Love it. And I also like how you said that you don't necessarily have to believe in it, but it is there because feng shui is about energy and energy is everything. We are all energy. Everything is energy. So why not be curious and work with it? Because it's all just about everything that's around us. So try the front door. If somebody's curious, but they're not really ready to dive in, just try the tips that I talked about for the front door and see if that makes a change. I always suggest everybody keep a journal and it's so much fun and you just kind of start getting addicted to it. When you intentionally do something, whether it's a cure, an enhancement, whatever you're doing, write down what you did, write down the day you did it, write down the intention as to why you did it and just see how fast things shift. Sometimes it's within a day and other times, obviously it takes a little longer, but it's just really fun. Like I love going back to my old journals and seeing what I did on a certain day. And it's like, oh, that only took three days, <laughs> you know? So, and then you can see for yourself, you know, how it works. So good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to move my quartz crystal to the front of my house. There you go. I'm already thinking about some things I could probably pick up around the front of my door, like some flowers that have fallen. I can pick that up and just get ready. Get ready. Since we're taping on a full moon, yes. rinse it off tonight and put it outside in the moonlight so that it charges with the moonlight overnight and then bring it back in tomorrow and set it in its new home. I'm doing it. I love it. You should see the pile of crystals I have outside right now. <laughs> and you do that every full moon? I do it. If not every full moon, every other, I have quite the collection now and I have some specimens that are almost a hundred pounds. So, you know, I okay. obviously cannot move those outside, but what I will do tonight is I'll use Palo Santo around them just to cleanse them because crystals just like us absorb. And, you know, we are placing them in our home to absorb energy for us, especially something like clear quartz. So every once in a while, they need a little, you know, smoke bath too, just to clear them. So if I don't, I kind of do it, I have two piles. So I'll do one month, I'll do this pile. The next month, I'll do the next and I'll kind of alternate. Or if something feels heavy, like if the one I sleep with under my pillow and my husband's too, those get cleaned every month because they are absorbing. So you want them fully charged to be able to help us. Okay, I'm into it. I'm doing it and I'm into it. I love it. Alejandra, you're such a light holder. I'm so happy that you came on here on the podcast to chat with me. I love what you're sharing and putting it out there in the world. I adore you. So thank you so much for talking with me here on Hold the Light. And you know, I feel the same way about you. And I look forward to having some more fun with you in the future. We're going to do it. We are. Thank you. Thank you. To learn more about Alejandra, including ways you can work with her or purchase her shui kits, visit her website, alejandrabrady.com, or find her on Instagram at alejandrabradylifestyle. Thanks for listening. Keep holding the light. Thank you for listening to Hold the Light. For more information about this episode and the topics discussed, visit our show notes or find more at holdthelightcollective.com or on Instagram at holdthelightcollective. This podcast is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Jonathan Grossman is our co-producer and all-around sound guru. He also wrote the original music. This podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio in Los Angeles, California. Finally, if you like the show, 
please rate, review, and share it with a friend. Let's share the light with each other.